Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. I'm super excited to work alongside Jeff that I consider a great friend and uh, respect him highly. I'm positioning myself to ask for a raise next year, if you hadn't noticed. Um, hey, it, but today, the reason we wanted to get you together today is to celebrate the good that we see in our kids. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes maybe not so obvious, but regardless, what, whatever stage you're going through in life, there, there are some great things in your kids. And so that was why, if you weren't here earlier, that's why we have these cards. It's just for you to think, my kid is and to pick a descriptor word. These are all words that, that we as a staff see in your kids. If, if we know your kids, some of you, they might be smaller, but, but if we know your kid, these are some words that we've picked. Um, would anybody share what they said their kid is? My kid is, anyone brave? Thoughtful? Tell me, why, why do you consider your kid thoughtful? How old is your child? Eighth grader. That's that's really weird that your eighth grader is thoughtful. <laughs> that is not typical. That's awesome. That's great. Anybody else? Radical? Oh, I like that word. Why why do you say your kid is radical? Yeah. I love it. Renaissance man. I love it. How old is he? Going into eighth grade, yes, experiencing all things life has to offer. That's awesome. Anybody else? Cherished? Why would you say cherished? Yeah, that is awesome. She's, she's the little princess, huh? She's easier to be cherished when she's already, her brothers have already done the damage. It's like, <laughs> oh, she is wonderful. Anybody else? Okay, so, so here's what I want to do for you guys now. I want to, how many of you remember your teenage years? Yeah, how many of you have blocked those years out? All right, yeah, a few of those. So here's what I want to do. I want to I take you down memory lane. I want to take you on, on a little journey, a little time warp. For some of you, it might be a pleasant experience. Some of you, uh, it might not so be so pleasant. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back when you're 14 years old, okay? Now, think of your birth year and add 14 to it so you have the actual year, all right? So figure out what year you were 14 in, all right? And so here's what I want you to do. Once you figure that out, you know, get the environment in your mind. What's some of the music during that time you were listening to? What were some of the, the clothes trends that you were, you were wearing? What were some of your friends that you hung out with, the teachers that you had? Just get that experience in your mind of when you were 14 years old. Once you have that, here's what I want you to do. There are some white pieces of paper, like the regular big pieces of copier paper, and some pens on the table. I want you to write down... Four different adjectives, and here's what I want you to do. The first one is, what would your teacher have said about you? What kind of adjective would your teacher have used to describe you? 
The second adjective is what would your parents have used to describe you when you were 14? One adjective your parents would have used. The third one is what adjective would your friends have used to describe you? And the last one, your very closest, maybe it was just that one friend, but your very closest friend, what adjective would they use to describe you? So you're 14, your teacher, descriptor adjective, your parent, descriptor adjective, your friends, and then your very closest friend, those four adjectives. We'll give you a, a little bit of time as we play some mood music that might even help take you back to that time era. R.E.M. That was one of my bands. All right. Hopefully you got those adjectives down. Now, I'm, I'm super curious on this. So whether or not you feel awkward or not, 
I still I've got I've got to hear some of these adjectives. Who who will share their four adjectives with me? Jeff will give you fifty bucks. Whoever shares first, just see him afterwards. Man, I thought that would get him. Anybody? All right, awesome. Quiet. How how ironic that is. Quiet, outgoing. Okay. Okay. I thought your best friend was going to be like Rebel. Because you had the quiet, outgoing, goody two-shoes and hellion. That's awesome. That's good. So, I mean, that's a great example. Just the different perspective of, of even teacher parent. That's amazing. Anybody else? Share. Let's get one more. This gets you an extra jewel in your crown in heaven. I don't even know if that's correct theology, so don't report me if it's not. Anybody? Just one more. Awesome. There you go. Radical. You were radical, too. Committed. Obligated. Complicated. Okay. Hmm. Oh, wow. I'm sure. Faithful. Very cool. So, so here's the deal. For most teenagers, and I don't have to tell you this, there, there are processes happening inside of them that, that they're not even sure what's going on. And so just like how one or two words used to describe you might have been true of you, you know, prime example, but other people wouldn't have known that about you. You know, so in other words, your teacher said you were quiet, but your parents said you were outgoing you know so one person would know this about and then there's some adjectives that nobody knew about us right even our closest friends couldn't have described us that way and so but our kids live with the same positive and negative perceptions right they have all these things going inside them and they're living with these positive adjectives these negative adjectives that people are putting on them and for you parents you have an awesome opportunity to speak encouragement in your kid's life, even when we feel like they don't deserve it, even when we feel like they're off the wall crazy, we still have an opportunity to encourage them. And just like you can kind of remember back to 14 and the different things that have impacted you and the way that people would have described you, our kids will remember that, way, that same scenarios, those same perceptions, whether they're positive or negative, that we or other people have about them. So as we move on, we do want to, we've got several new staff on Watershed that we're super excited about. I mean, it's, it's like the, the all-star staff. Um, and so we're just going to do, rather than having each person come up individually, we just have a quick video that kind of introduces them, what they'll be doing, and, and, and why they're doing what they're doing. So if you'd kind of focus up to the screen and meet some of our new staff. Hey guys, I'm Brittany Ford. I'm a two-year intern and I'm so excited to be the campus director at Johns Creek High School. I'm Lainey McLeese. I'm a two-year intern with Watershed and I will be helping with campus ministry at Norcross High School. Hello, I'm Reggie Anderson II and I'm a two-year intern at Watershed. 
I'm the campus director for Norcross High School. Hey guys, I'm John Parham. Um, I'm a two-year intern here at Watershed Perimeter Church, and I'm going to be hanging out at Lambert. Uh, that's my school of focus, so I'll be there, Lambert, going to lunch, hanging out. Hey, my name is Emilio Hood. I'm the campus director here at Watershed Ministries. I have the privilege of overlooking ministry at Duluth High School um, and also get to help oversee the ministries at the different schools that we're plugging into. To me, campus ministry is being relational with girls, meeting them where they're at, just getting to know them and pursuing their hearts. It bridges the gap between where a student is and where the local church is. I would say campus ministry is relational ministry, getting to know students and spending time with them. Being able to be a part of their journey to be able to know Jesus more and just experience Him more. It's, it's being there for them, answering any questions they may have, and and uh, just building relationships with the hope and the prayer that we'll be able to um, share not just our lives and our love for them, but Christ's love as well. I'm really excited about campus ministry because I really do love just spending time with girls, um, meeting with them, and walking through life with them. It gives me the opportunity to meet a child where he is and then to help him develop through life. I get to see students in the areas that they are, and I get to hopefully take them from point A to point B at the beginning of the school year to the end. In the lives of a lot of these students, it's like a revolving door of people coming in and coming out, um, leaving them. Um, and with the campus ministry that we're doing here, uh, we're consistently going to be showing up. I just want these students to know that um, having a relationship with Jesus is about experiencing His presence and knowing Him and uh, Him listening to them and them listening to Him and Him speaking to them. And it's so much more than just a religion. And so I can't wait to be able to just share what the Lord is doing in my life and to see um, how God communicates that through me. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rip Pruitt. I am full-time with Watershed staff, and I'll be doing some creative programming for Watershed, but also overseeing campus ministry. It's got a new initiative that Watershed is doing. We just started looking at uh, trying to impact kids' lives, and the best way to do that, we figured, is to go where they are. We're trying to model ministry after Jesus. He went to where the people are, and that's what we're doing. So we have uh, identified different folks and put them on different campuses to pursue kids, to enter into their life, to earn the right to be heard in their life. Um, and once we've earned that right, we will share the gospel and offer an opportunity for them to respond. So Perimeter's in a really unique position in that our outward ministry is truly outward. We are leaving the walls of the church to chase down kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ and not just rely on them coming to us. Great to see uh, all our new staff. This is actually the first time, of course, I'm trying to figure out this wire here. This is the first time at um, Watershed where we've had all of our intern slots filled. So we have more students to be able to chase down more kids than we've ever had before. And as you can tell, I, I want to kind of put you at ease on, in one area. If, if you don't have a student at a school that it seems like we're focused on, don't worry. It's not like we're saying, okay, you're not at a target school, so therefore we're going to ignore you. That's not the way it works out. We all minister to all different students that we have. 
uh, we're trying something new and uh, trying to go after some of these specific schools, and we're beginning with some of the schools that we have the most students at, and it's kind of an experiment to see how that works out. If it goes well, we're going to keep adding. You know, it's possible that we could continue to add interns uh, to go after even more schools. Um, so a lot of it is how well this idea goes uh, to go where the students are, which Rip was uh, talking about and explaining. Uh, all of those staff are <coughs> um, support-based. That's one thing that's important to mention. I think there was something on there that e- each one of them raises uh, either all or a part of their salary. So uh, keep that in mind as you're praying. If you if you have some extra dollars or uh, the Lord lays on your heart that that uh, you want to really support someone who is ministering to your kids at, at their school, uh, by all means, we would uh, love to see you uh, contribute to that because they are missionaries to our community, really, in the in the public schools, and that's kind of the the focus. Uh, and these are all two-year interns. Other than Rip and Emilio, all of the other interns we have are are for a set period of time. And one of the great things is that Watershed has the opportunity to actually invest in the next generation of youth workers. There's no doubt in my mind that many of these um, staff will go on to be women's directors, youth directors at other churches, maybe young life leaders at other churches, uh, I mean at other schools and other organizations. And so Perimeter gets to invest in people that are going to be doing this over the long haul, and that's that's just a huge privilege that we have. Um, well, today we're talking about your kids are awesome. Obviously, we've, you've already kind of been exposed. We've got all these stickers or, or these cutouts and, and things. And even to go back and think about how you were perceived as a 15-year-old or 14-year-old is, is interesting. I thought that was very difficult for me to do. I don't know if you had a hard time doing that. I realized one thing that I don't think as with my friends, they ever we ever really talked about what we thought of each other. I mean, it was easier for me to do the parents or the or the, the teacher, but when it came to your friends, it's not like we sat around the room encouraging each other. Um, on, a, on a regular basis, we just, we just like to hang out, so that's, dif- that's different. The main point that, that I want to get across today, though, is uh, your child has a unique design, and that design should be celebrated. Your child has a unique design, and that design should be celebrated, often because of our role as parents, and we're trying to equip them for life we tend to focus on what they're not. And it is so easy to do. It is so easy to do that. Uh, The first time I think I became aware of this in such a stark way was about 10 years ago. My wife and I were at a church in Florida, and there was this girl named Beth, and she was our, our kid's first babysitter. And she was amazing. I mean, I told her as a seventh grader, I said, I want to hire you as soon as you graduate from college to work in youth ministry because she had all the gift mix. I mean, she was responsible. She was fun. I mean, fun in a can. She would show up at my kid's house, and just stuff would start coming out of this backpack, and she was their favorite babysitter, and she was amazing, and she was fantastic. And she happened to be in my wife's uh, Sunday school class or small group at the time, and so she got to interact with her in that way. And Cammie was sitting talking to her mom, and her mom thought she was talking about someone different. It had to be some different person that she was describing. And that's because we had a completely different relationship, and we saw things in Beth at that time and that moment in her development that her parents could not see. And her and her mom were just butting heads, you know, and it was just a a daily, constant thing. 
that was happening, and she was blind to how wonderful her daughter was. And what was great is she was able, and and this says a lot about her and her character, she was able, because of the things we were telling her, to step back and start saying, wait a second, maybe, maybe my daughter is fantastic and I'm just missing it. And it really, their, their relationships took a turn. Now, we, I don't take credit for that, or we don't, but God may have used our small contribution in pointing that out for her to start seeing that and to start to, to make a change. Um, we feel pressure to prepare our kids for life. And so this is the time of life when our kids are very irresponsible generally and very self-centered. Now, I thought of that this morning as I was looking over my notes and thinking, okay, we're trying to teach them responsibility, and why is it that a teenager is so inward-focused and so... I mean, I think they're, they're so becoming the person that they're going to be. I think there's just a lot of introspection at this time. And childish irresponsibility is something that is so easy for us to constantly hammer right? And because they're blowing it all the time. I mean, they are blowing it all the time. And it's, it's a developmental thing, they're, you know, and, and so it's just crazy. We often celebrate, um, or we don't celebrate the gifts they do have because there are other gifts that we wish they had. Maybe this is you. Maybe you are focused on your child and they drive you crazy because they're too much like you. Okay, do you have that? And especially in the, if, uh, in the husband-wife situation, right? Maybe you clash with one of your children because they have the exact, their personality is too much like you and you just are constantly going at each other. And that is a problem that you have where you're just butting heads. Uh, you see that. I, I have one of my kids, I'm, I'm self-indulgent. It's just an issue that I have. It's with my struggle especially like with food or things like that. And I just, and I have one child that's just like me. Actually, I have a couple, but that are like me in that area. And so it makes me crazy when I see them doing that. I'm like, I wish that this weren't my struggle. And so I don't want them to have it. And so I might ride them more saying, don't do this. This is my struggle. I don't want you to have this. This is awful. And that's where they are. Or maybe your child is the opposite of you. And that's why you constantly see this deficiency in them because they are, have this one thing that is different from you that you can't stand. I have that in spades in my family as well. Cami is very organized, and she is task-oriented. I am not. I am people-oriented. And I have another child who is just like me. And so it drives Cami crazy the way I am, all right? For 22 years already, she's, I've you know, drive her up the wall in that way. And now she gets to experience that again. Like there's two of us at least that do that. And it's so now she just gets to take, you know, it's, it's not like the frustration was, it was already here with me. And then the, my daughter comes in and takes it up another notch because she's the same. And so it could go either way. Um, Psalm 139 says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Now, I think many of you are aware of this, this passage. This verse has been, you've, I'm sure you've heard this at different times. And for us to consider that, excuse me, for us to consider that, there's a couple things that just really stick out. One is your child is made exactly the way God wanted them to be with their personality. 
he didn't make a mistake. He's in charge, and he formed them the way he wants them to be, with strengths and weaknesses that they have. Maybe you hate the struggle that you have or that your child has. God created them with those particular weaknesses in mind, knowing they would have to seek him out in order to face those struggles. Okay, so that's the first thing. It says, he formed my inward parts. God is the one who created us and shaped us just the way he wanted us to be. And then the second point, which just sticks out a couple times in that passage, what he made is wonderful. He likes what he's made. And we have to be careful there that we're not constantly sitting back with our arms crossed looking at our kid and wondering why they're deficient in all these different areas when God's not doing that. He's happy with what he's created. He loves uh, the, the child that he has made. And so how do we balance this out? Uh, what does this look like exactly? Um, one of the problems that we have when it comes to this issue, especially if you have multiple kids, I guess only if you have multiple kids, do you compare um, your kids to one another? You know, how often are you, are you celebrating their wonderfulness? Do you call out their amazing traits when you see them is, is the first thing. But then at the same time, when, you, when one of your kids is different from the other, are you saying constantly, why can't you be like your brother? Or why can't you be like your sister? Uh, this kills, especially oldest kids. I mean, think of the profile of most oldest children, right? They tend to be more responsible. They tend to be kind of... They're definitely... I've met many that are different from that. But a lot of first kids have a certain... You know, there's a, there's a stereotype for a reason of first children. And it's because a lot of them fit that mold, right? They're kind of organized, uh, straight-laced. And your other kids may be very different uh, in, in just the way they're made. Um, I think of... Uh, when, when you start talking about this, uh, your oldest child may be very disciplined, he may be an organized achiever, while your second child might be a free spirit, okay? Now, just think of that difference right there in and of itself. If that's the way that you, that you, your kids are, and so you constantly are praising the oldest kid, maybe your youngest child or your, your younger kid is constantly invited to all the parties, and your oldest child never was, okay? Just think of that thing. Um, that means that your second child has these gifts and abilities that are in a social arena, maybe, that are really something that should be celebrated. They're popular. Now, I'm not saying popularity is the goal. It's not that, but it's just different. It's a different gift mix. And certainly in today's economy, even, maybe being popular, <laughs> the job that they're going to have in, in human resources or in, in something that deals with sales or something like that, they actually might end up being way more successful. Their grades might always be subpar and everything else, and then, but their social skills are going to take them far in life. It has nothing to do, again, with worth in God's eyes. There's different strengths and different abilities. And so we need to take the time um, to celebrate that. Uh, if, if you're going to do that, um, how it, we also have to think about fairness when it comes to raising our kids. We have to identify and say, okay, Fairness has to go out the window. Randy talked about this last week in a sermon or two weeks ago, right, where he said the ice cream cone, he bought one kid an ice cream cone, kid came home, and he said, I don't, no one else gets an ice cream, just that one, and I, I don't have to be fair, okay? We need to think about that. We have different strengths and weaknesses ourselves. 
Our kids have different strengths and weaknesses, and parenting them all exactly the same is not the way to go. Uh, For example, in my family, again, I have a child who really struggles more with anxiety. And it's interesting because my other three, at least on on appearance, are incredibly self-confident, okay, at least at this point. So I have one, and she's been that way from birth, okay, more anxious, more worrying, and, and it's just a part of who, who God's made her to be. And we've, we would say, okay, well, we're the same parents, but is it fair for me then to parent my anxious child exactly the same way I parent my super confident kids? It's, it's not fair to her. She needs a different approach on lots of things that we do. And the way that, that, that I encourage her and the way that the things that I do for her and invest in her and it's not always going to be fair. And that's a part of it. If I was training fighters, okay, if I was uh, tra- training boxers, okay, I might have one boxer like Mike Tyson, right, who is just a bruiser, big, powerful, take a lot of beating, but just can deliver a huge punch, okay? I would train that fighter very differently than if I had a fast, you know, lightning quick, fast on their feet, featherweight or middleweight boxer, the, the, the approach is completely different in how they would box. Now, maybe they have to face life the same, but you would train them differently, and you would train them to fight differently. And we need to think about that in terms of our kids. It's okay, based on design, to treat them differently. And we just have to confess that um, all of our kids experience us differently, even. Because their gift mix and stuff is so different, they experience us differently. One child may say, oh, my parents were great. I got along great with them. The next child may Oh, my parents were just, you know, we really struggled. And, and, but we're the same parents. We're the same people, but we're not the same people to each one of them. We all experience each other differently. And so we have to consider that as we think through um, how we parent our kids. How often do you take time then to celebrate their amazingness or to celebrate what is great about them? Drew Warner and Chip um, are two people on staff here. Chip Sweeney, he's my boss. And and Drew's a really good friend of mine, and they're involved with something in the public schools, which is called All Pro Dads. And one of the things they do as a part of that is they go into the public schools, and they have a breakfast uh, several times a year, and the dads come with their sons, and all they do is they eat breakfast, and they go around the room, and the dads talk about how proud they are of their kids. And they tell me just the transformative power that that has in these kids, and that a lot of the kids have broken down weeping, or dads are crying, and they'll even say, this is the first time I've ever heard that, a positive word from my father. Now, can you imagine that? If this is an issue that they're addressing and things like that, we have to struggle with these same things too. I just think it's so easy to have blinders on and kind of get in, at least for a period of time, for us to get into these modes where maybe we don't uh, encourage them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old... He will not depart from it. Um, a few years ago here, we had a parenting and, and uh, marriage conference, and the, the speaker actually talked about this verse quite a bit that some have interpreted this to actually say, train up a child according to the way their personality is. And when he's old, he will not depart from that training. That that is one possible interpretation of this. That, and then they went through all these, you know, many of you may have taken like a DISC test or Myers-Briggs or, you know, and it's amazing. Every year we do that in TFL, a student TFL, 
we actually take our kids through the right path. And every year after we do that, and I've had parents who've talked to me and they've done a right path or something with their children, they, there's a lot of aha moments usually. They sit down and go, oh, that's why you drive me crazy. This is how you're created. <laughs> you are different. You have a unique design. And that particular part of your personality where you're way high here, look, I'm low in this area. This is the opposite of me. You know, you're a high D, you're driven and everything, but your child might be a high I, which is all relational. And, you know, and so you don't understand each other in that way. And so you know, those are just is one example of how that works itself out. So um, as we think about that, um, another thing that's possible is one of the parents in the group might be more effective with one of the children. You may experience this in your own household as well. There are times when I can talk to one of my kids or Cammie can talk to one of the kids and I, when I can't. Maybe, the, maybe personality's broken down or, or you know, there's conflict that's happening and I'm constantly butting heads with one of the kids and yet Cammie can come in and talk to them when I can't and, uh, or the opposite is also the case. And so think about that and, and use those strengths and weaknesses within, within your own parenting relationship. If, if, if the barrier can drop at times uh, with one of you, use that to your advantage to talk to them. And I would also say, talk to your kids about issues uh, and, and r- try to reach them not in the middle of conflict. I have noticed so often when you're in the middle of a fight, no one can hear. You know, they can't hear the instruction. And if you start, if you're hammering on something and then you're like, oh, and by the way, I think you're awesome in these ways, they're just going to miss it. You need to have a date with them and sit down and just talk about how awesome they are. Have those dates, and we've said this before in here, have those times with your kid when you can just not try to fix them. They will appreciate that. And when you're not trying to fix them, tell them how great they are. And then they can hear you and it, and it can get through. Uh, last thing and last point that I, that I really want to bring up today, this morning, is a reminder that your child isn't done yet. Okay? They're not finished. God knitted them together in the womb, and there's a lot of factors that are making them to be who they're going to be, but they're not done baking. Okay? They are still a work in progress. And I think this is one of the things that for me is so difficult. As an adult, we take all our life experience, wisdom, everything that's, that's been poured into us over the years, and we sit down with our child, and then when they don't respond like an adult, we are so shocked and surprised, um, especially in that area of responsibility. Uh, the trips, it was, I can't remember if it was Ted or Paul, but really talked early on in our parenting when I was reading some of those books that Paul Tripp and Ted Tripp did about the fact that don't punish your kids as much for irresponsibility as for disobedience because irresponsibility is normal. And that's the thing I find most of our conflict in our house is over is things that have to do with responsibility, not outright defiance, okay? And yet those are things that just drive us crazy and can create that negative environment in the home, um, our childs are not, are not finished yet. Proverbs 7, and again, a lot of you might be familiar with this passage. Proverbs 7, verse 6 says, For at the window of my house I've looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a man lacking sense. A young man lacking sense. Okay? Now think of that. This passage, he goes on you know, to, to talk about how much trouble this young man gets into, but it's amazing that it's always a teenager. 
okay? He is sitting, looking out the window, and he sees a bunch of teenagers, and he says, there's a knucklehead right there, and look at him. Watch him get ready to go and, and make some serious mistakes in his life. Even 3,000 years ago when this was written, people were looking at teenagers and saying, what were you thinking? Okay? I know you've probably said that to your child at one time or another. What were you thinking? They don't have the same wisdom and experience level that we do, and they often don't think. Their brains aren't even fully developed until they're 25, is what all the researchers are saying, especially the part that develops discernment and wisdom. It's continually forming all the way until age 25. And so we should not be surprised when they do this. And it's very difficult to, uh, to sit back and to say, okay, they're acting like a kid, and yet they're in this adult body. And it can drive us a little bit crazy. Um, I want to close my section out here with, with this because... Uh, just to say how real and how important this is today that we're talking about. Um, This is so apropos in my life. Just last night, my wife and I were sitting talking to our daughter, and she has taken summer classes this whole summer, and now she has five AP art things that are due first day of school. And we have been on her like, you know, just like crazy, uh, pressuring her and talking to her and are you done yet and just hammering 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 and so even just last night and this this lesson was planned four weeks ago or five weeks ago but last night she and I were apologizing to our daughter about how much we have just shown how deficient she is instead of how awesome she is and we had to repent had to repent last night had to repent again in the car this morning I don't think the repentance is over we're going to keep doing that We're going to keep messing up because we're trying to bring out the greatest potential that she has and at the same time not crush her spirit. And we don't know how to do that yet. How do you bring out your kid's potential if they're capable of making A's, for example, if they're capable of great things, and yet at the same time not crush them and not discourage them and not make them think that all we're doing is trying to fix them and make them better? It's difficult. It's very tough, and it is so tough, um, we have some confessing to do, um, so I'm going to bring that. Cammie is going to now, it's time for our little segment we call Confessions of a Teen Mom, okay? A teen's mom. You actually the wireless. You got the wireless? Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Hi. Okay, so my name is Cami Summers, and it's been six months since my last confession. I'm going to knock this over. Um, And in that six months, my daughter and I have had some good days. We've had some good conversations, but um, as Jeff already kind of introduced, the past two weeks have been really, really hard, and um, last night I made her cry. And so I wanted to come and share with you guys, because Jeff gets to stand up here and tell you all these great things of what you should and shouldn't do, and I'm sitting over there going, I fail, I fail, I fail at this all the time. Um, Like Jeff said, her tears were the culmination of 
of this summer project that she has um, do. And as the deadline has gotten closer and closer, I've gotten more and more frustrated and antsy and, um, and it's funny how God puts truth right in front of you. And you know how you go, yeah, yeah, God, I totally get, yes, we're on the same page. And then he says, okay, now go live it. And you're like, what? I'm supposed to live this truth that I know? Um, knowing is so much easier than living. And with a teen in my house, I feel like I know so many of the right answers. I know good things to do, just like I'm sure all of you guys do. Like none of this that Jeff said today, oh, you need to celebrate their good things. You know that, right? I mean, you do. But the reality is the living it is so much harder. Um, in prep for this class, Jeff and I have been talking about celebrating our children and what the great things about them are. And, and what I confess to you guys is, the reality is, is I don't tell them that. <laughs> I, especially with my daughter, have been so quick to criticize and to tell her all of the things that she's doing wrong. I've been riding her tail because I'm afraid. And I can't even really tell you what I'm afraid of. Is it afraid of a bad grade? No, I know grades aren't eternal. You know, is it afraid of her failing? Well, I don't want her to fail. Is it that she's a reflection of me? I can't even, I don't even know why it gets me all tied up in a knot. I just know that it does. And so I've made the past few weeks miserable for her and for me as I've started each day with, okay, what's your plan for today? And how much have you gotten done? And when will you be done with it? And what do you need? And are you doing everything right? And why are you sitting there doing nothing when you have this list of things that need to be done? And if you're taking a break from your school, there's 15,000 chores you haven't gotten done that are waiting for your attention. None of you identify? It's so hard. And I've allowed every interaction to be laced with criticism that even though I veil it so carefully, in every word that I speak, she feels it. And even in the words I don't speak. Because that's what's really in my heart. And in the past two weeks, I haven't stopped to really count the cost of my criticism. That was this summer. Jeff and I were um, in Florida, and there was another incident where I failed as a mother. And he was asking me to consider the cost. And I think that's a really great question. Consider the cost relationally with my daughter. Consider the cost of demanding my own way. Consider the cost of caring more about her grades than her feelings. Consider the cost of dwelling on the negative at the expense of the positive. And consider the cost of allowing conflict to define our relationship. Raising a teen is so different than raising a child. Because children have, children are quick to forgive. My eight-year-old, I can sin against her, and tomorrow's a whole new day. But with my teenager, the memories are long. And it's partly because I speak into her insecurities. 
my words or my criticism pierce into those squishy places inside her. And so my criticism has a lot more power and the lack of my encouragement is way more wounding than I want it to be. It's so easy for my relationship to be defined by the negative and to focus on what she's not and to communicate she's a disappointment. She's not a disappointment. She's not an inconvenience. In truth, I think she's really great. She's a great teenager. She's a great person. I like her. She's really fun. She brings all kinds of funness to my family, and I'm so slow to applaud that. Um, and even worse, I take her funness, and I tell her she needs to be more serious. She needs to be more intentional. And I kind of rob her of her funness. I don't want her to judge me by my weaknesses. I want her to realize my strengths. But I think that's often what I do to her. I walk around nitpicking all of her faults and shortcomings. And I excuse my behavior by saying I'm being helpful. And the last time... I was here, I talked about how having a teenager is kind of the grad school of parenting. Um, and I just have to confess to you guys that I kind of deserve an F this summer. <laughs> I deserve an F in loving my daughter well. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and it's kind. And I have not been kind to my daughter. Um, so... The world is broken, and I'm broken, and in my brokenness, I think sometimes I focus too much on the things that aren't and the things of how they should be, and the truth is, is that my teen isn't perfect or responsible or organized or the list goes on. But what she needs isn't a critic. What she needs is a savior. To save her from her own tensity, to her own tendency to self-destruct. And what I should be pointing her to is not some standard of responsibility or adulthood that she could never achieve. What I should be pointing her to is Christ's steadfast love for her and the power that in her relationship with him she has access to to be better in whatever area she's weak. Jesus loves the mess she is and he sees her strengths and weaknesses and it's only him that can really make her weaknesses strong. I can't do that, my, not by my criticism, not by my nitpicking, not by my finger wagging. <laughs> and the truth is, as a parent, I need a savior too. Because in my relationship with her, um, I let the temporary define often. And I can be mean, and I need the help of the Lord 
to be encouraging. So where we're going to end today is I'm going to pray, but then if you look on your paper, there's paper and envelopes. And what we've been encouraged to do is to, for each parent, not just one parent, but each of you, even if you have terrible handwriting and you don't know what to say, to write a note to your team and then to put it in a place where they'll find it, not to hand it to them and not to expect any kind of a response from them because they may or may not acknowledge it. Put it in their car, underneath their pillow, um, in their backpack, and, and a note telling them how great you think they are. And it's not how great you wish they were. <laughs> it's not, you know, those backhanded compliments of, well, I think you're really great with your brother and sister, but I'd really like it if your room were cleaner. You know, not that kind of thing. Just the positive, no negative. Even if you don't feel like they deserve it and the last few weeks have been awful, write them a note telling them how great and how awesome you think they are. And then seal it and put it somewhere. Um, as we're closing, I just and I'm I'm gonna pray, but I just want to tell you that these guys over here are the ones that picked helped pick this topic, and I did not like it because it hits too close to home. I would much rather choose topics that I'm better at so that I can stand up here and tell you this is a hard one for me. And so that's part of what I wanted to get up here and share is if you feel like you're a mess, me too. I'm terrible at this, but through the Lord's help, we can do better. So I'm going to pray. If you would pray with me. Lord, forgive me for loving me more than I love her. Forgive me that I would rather hide behind my authority than love her in the way you are calling me to. And Lord, we need your help as parents. Loving our teenagers is hard. And it's so easy to see what they're not and sometimes so hard to see what they are. Lord, we need your eyes. We need to look past the superficial and the temporary to what's in their hearts. And we can't discern that in our own strength. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray for parents in the next little bit as they're writing notes to their children that you would quickly give them words of encouragement. Lord, our teens are told by the media and school, all the things that they're not. And their insecurities, though they might not be spoken, are so evident. And we don't want to be another voice telling them what they're not. We want to be a voice of encouragement telling them that they are unconditionally loved and that they are created perfectly in your strength. And I just pray that you as we write notes now, would give us the words to say and that you would be glorified, that we wouldn't tank our relationship with our children in our own sin, but that you would save us from ourselves as parents and help us to bite our tongues sometimes, put a holy muzzle on us and help us to see the great things about our kids and to honor you by sharing it with them. May our words encourage and build them up for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. After, after you're done writing your note, it's you just talk amongst yourselves. You're excused. You can go, whatever. We're kind of, we're done. So thank you guys so much. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. 
please visit the Student Ministries website at www.perimeter.org/students for more information. Thank you.